0: You're listening to The Preaching Podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernak. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Luke eight 22. let's begin reading here. It says, Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples. And he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake, and they launched forth, but as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with uh, and they were filled with water, and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, "Master, Master, we perish!" Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Verse twenty-five says, "And he said unto them, Where is?" Your faith. If you make the habit of marking in your Bible, I encourage you, if you have not already, to underline that phrase right there. Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, "What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him." Read that verse one more time. There, and he said unto them, "Where is your faith?" And they said, being afraid, okay, uh, they, they being afraid, there they weren't actually afraid. They were kind of like taken back at what took place. Okay, they weren't fearful of Jesus. And then that word there, wondered. They weren't wondering, how in the world did Jesus do this? They were marveled. Uh, they were just really just in, in utter awe of what, what Christ did for them. Let's move on here to verse 26. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when, he went forth, or, and when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee? Jesus, thou Son of God most high, I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes they had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands, and was driven out of the, uh, driven of the devils into the wilderness. Verse 30, And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that, they, uh, that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. And when they that fed them saw what was done, they fled. And went and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also which saw it told them by what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear. And he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house, and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. Continuing on here in verse 40, it says, And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a, a, a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. sorry For he had one only daughter, about 12 years of age. Again, if you're able to, underline 12 years right there. 12 years of age, and she lay a dying. but as he went, the people thronged him. Verse 43, and a woman having an issue of blood, 12 years, underline that as well, 12 years, we'll look at that later, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. Verse 44, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood staunched. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee. Impressing thee, and thou sayest, Who touched me? But really, right here, the, those, that word throng here is really just, they're basically almost suffocating Jesus. They're just a crowd of people. They're bumping into each other, and it's just, uh, and he asks, Who touched me? And the disciples almost sarcastically, Lord, everybody's bumping into you. Uh, what do you mean, Who touched me? Uh, but what's amazing here, he says this in, in verse 46 and Jesus said, Somebody have touched me, for I perceive that virtue is is gone out of me. This isn't my message, but I do want to just make note that there is a difference between bumping into Jesus and touching Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I want I want to touch Jesus. I don't want to just bump into him when I need him. I want to constantly be touching Jesus. Verse 47, and when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him and all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her daughter, be of good comfort, underline this, thy faith hath made thee whole, go in peace. While he yet spoke, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, thy daughter is dead, trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered saying, underline this as well, fear not, believe only and she shall be made whole verse 51 and when he came into the house he suffered no man to go in save peter and james and john and the father and the mother of the maiden and all wept and bewailed her but he said weep not she is not dead but sleepeth and they laughed him to scorn knowing that she was dead and he put them all out and took her by the hand and called saying "Maid, arise and her spirit came again and she arose straightway heavenly father god i pray that you'd bless this time tonight in your word God, I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross. God, I pray you use me tonight, Lord. Help me to say the words that need to be said. Help me to refrain from what no, doesn't need to be said tonight. God, I pray you'd speak to hearts uh, in this hour, Lord. We love you so much. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. I want to preach a message uh, entitled uh, "I'm not remember, really good at coming up with titles, but really uh, it comes from when the woman of the issue of blood goes and touches the hem of the garment." I want to entitle this message "Hanging on by a thread." Hanging on by a thread. Now, uh, there's some things that, uh, that maybe uh, you have that you've passed down, have been passed down in your, your family, maybe your kids have. That I'll just say this, that every time my parents come and visit, they bring another box of stuff they did, should have threw away that was mine, but I guess I was their favorite child, so they kept everything. Um, so, anyways, I think my wife threw it away, but that's okay. Um, I said she could, so... Uh, but anyways, my, my my boys have these blankets that we got for them. We, we even had some that were made for them, had their name on it. But they didn't like those blankets. In fact, they found some random blankets in our house that I don't even know where they came from. My wife probably doesn't even know either, but... Uh, Ryan found, got attached to this blanket, it literally says the word gather on it, it's a decorative blanket, but that's his, he wants it, don't you dare touch it, don't you take it away to wash it, uh, because you can't let go of it, we do wash it by the way, we, we rip it out of his hands and throw it in there, and he cries the whole time, but anyways, then Ryder's got this random blanket too, but you know what, they are like falling apart, and we try to get them other blankets, We even got them Spider-Man blankets because they love Spider-Man. And uh, we gave them... Nope, didn't want that. We want these blankets that are literally falling apart. Okay, why would you tell that story? I don't know. Besides the fact that it's hanging on by a thread and they're still hanging on to it. Well, I I cannot believe in the last two years, and I I don't even want to say it, but 2020 really has been a blur even now that we're in 2022. But there's so many people I come across and I'll talk with them. And I realize that there's a lot of people hanging on by a thread. I hear what people are going through and I think how in the world I can't imagine and I don't sit there and hear someone's issues and say I'm glad I'm not going through that no I think Lord please help me to have the have the faith help me to have the 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 courage to to keep on going on like this person is but there's so many people I talk to that are just really hanging on by a thread and maybe you're there tonight you're hanging on by a thread so I don't know how I'm going to go on well I'd like to just look through this passage of scripture we read a a lot there we're going to look at each one of these accounts here but I want to go back to Luke 8, through 25 here. This is when Jesus, uh, he gave the command to cross the sea. And then the Lord Jesus gets in the boat, and he goes to sleep. And um, I love it. Uh, this, our, our kids, they, I don't know if anybody else can testify to this, but they're in the stage of protesting their naps. They, just, they don't want to take a nap. And um, they'll say, well, so-and-so doesn't take a nap, and so-and-so's parents don't make their kids take a nap. And you know what we say? You're not so-and-so. And we're not so-and-so's parent. But now I can bring it back to this passage of Scripture. Hey, even Jesus took a nap, okay? So you need to take a nap too. Anyways, I needed that tonight, but uh, I need a nap as well. But here uh, we see that Jesus is 100% man in this story. He's weary. But then we see in just a few moments later, he stops the storm. We see that he's 100% God. We get to see his humanity, and we get to see his deity. But they wake him up, and they literally say to him, do you not care that we're dying? We're going to perish. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't even say anything to him them. He stands up and he rebukes the storm like you'd almost how you'd speak to a dog. Maybe maybe not how some of you speak to your dog. You speak to your dogs nicer than well, anyways. Uh, but he spoke to him and said, "Hush, how I speak to my dog. Hush, be quiet, stop." And immediately the storm ceased. Now uh, you know when I go down maybe to the river and there, a boat passes by, right? And the boat is gone but those waves are still there and they're crashing on the waves. I honestly believe, because it says there was a calm, and as soon as Jesus said, peace be still, he said to stop, I really believe that the clouds were gone, the sun came out, the wind was gone, and that water was literally like glass, just a calm. You know what, a lot of times I'm just like these disciples where I'm looking at the storm and I'm forgetting about how Jesus, what he wants me to do. What did Jesus say to the disciples? It's, it's amazing. Jesus didn't say, wow, what a you're right, this is a crazy storm. He didn't say, man, look look at all this. He asked them, where is your faith? Where is your faith? And um, I learned from this moment right here in the Scripture that oftentimes the Lord places storms in our lives in order that we might come closer to him. And that honestly, like the disciples said, that we, we can learn what, kind, what manner of man, what manner of God he really is. And I'll say it this way, Uh, recently uh, we've been able to get back into the jail and uh, have devotions there. And I've really enjoyed uh, doing that and being able to talk with the guys there and encourage them. And um, a couple weeks ago, actually probably more like six weeks ago, I told the illustration of, you know, if it was up to me, I would just like to have victories. If it was up to me, I would like to just have mountaintop experiences. And I I wouldn't want the valley. I don't want the trial. So I I told it like this, and you've probably heard something like this before. I said, but if it's up to my children... They would want ice cream every single time that they could possibly eat. They'd want ice cream all the time. You know what? That sounds really good, but uh, that would not be good for them, right? Their stomach would be hurting. They'd be probably, uh, you know, uh, lacking. Some other areas they're uh, deficient in some areas. And, uh, but they got to eat the vegetables, too. So I was telling the guys, I said, you know what? I would love to just have ice cream all the time, but that's not what's good for me. It's those times that we have to eat stuff. that we, I tell my kids, you might not like it, and guess what? The, the worse it tastes, the better it is for you. I don't know why it was like that. I just know that it's probably because we're in a sin-cursed world. In heaven, all, all this stuff's going to taste good, I guess. So, uh, and, But what I'm saying is this. I was telling him, I said, man, I'd rather have the ice cream, but I need the vegetables in my life. i I'd much rather not. I don't want the storms, but I need them in my life to, to help remind me that I need the Lord. So now I have the nickname. Every time I walk in, they say, here comes the ice cream man. But... Uh, Anyways, I've heard worse, but how often we are so nervous, we're so anxious about the storms in our life, and we we think, man, I'm I'm about to blow up, Uh, I'm going to perish in this case, but Jesus' response is, where is your faith? I don't know where you are tonight, but I do know this, Uh, as I've said many times before, uh, and you've heard it many times before, but you're going to be in a storm soon. You're in one right now, you're about to go in one, or you just came out of one, and Christ is not so focused on your storm, he's focused on your faith. Where is your faith? You see, faith is one of the fruits of the spirits. We're commanded to have uh, the fruit of the Spirit of faith. Uh, In perfect faith, there is no fear. Uh, The more we fear, the less we believe. Uh, The Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of fear. Well, where does that come from? It doesn't come from God. It comes from the devil. Every time we have fear, we are giving place to, to the devil. Every time we have fear over faith, we're giving uh, the devil the, uh, the victory, we're giving him to give, uh, gain ground in our life. And uh, the hand of Christ's grace goes with the calls of his word to make them effectual. Can I just remind us that difficult circumstances, storms, uh, they're, they're inevitable. They're going to come. It's going to happen. But they're not evidence of unbelief. It's how we react is when our unbelief is shown. Unbelief is the rejection of a promise. It's a rejection of a command that God's given to us. God commanded us to have faith. God's promised us if we've had, we have faith, he's going to bless us. Uh, this account here, uh, and we, we, I mentioned before, but we see that um, Jesus, man, he came up and he just, it's okay, peace be still. And then he turned around and says to the disciples, where's your faith? Getting a little ahead of myself here. Look, uh, I'll read 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It says this, it's a powerful reminder here of God's provision. Uh, for us, when we reach the end of our strength, uh, Paul writes this, and he said unto me, By My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities than the power of Christ, uh, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I don't want to choose the storm, I don't want the storm, but I tell you what i want i want christ to rest upon me i want god's strength you know what he has to bring us to that point where we have nothing left to realize we can't do it on our own and uh recently i spoke something similar about this in the jail and someone asked the question said why would god do something like that why would he and and they even asked the question that maybe sometimes the devil's whispered in your ear why would a why would someone who loves you do something like that well i I illustrated it this way to him i said Uh, The Heavenly Father wants to spend time with us. He wants us to draw nigh to him. He doesn't force himself upon us. I think I've shared this illustration before, so if I've said it before, uh, just humor me here again. But I remember several years ago, my daughter was pushing, she's probably two or three years old, she couldn't, she couldn't say a lot of words yet, but she was pushing uh, her baby doll in one of those swings. And it wasn't, uh, you know, it was one of the ones that you could strap them in, it's got a, a solid plastic back there, and she's pushing it as hard as she can, and it's coming back, and I'm standing right there stopping it, because it's going to hit her right in the face. And uh, she's like me, doesn't think things through all the way. Uh, but she's pushing it, and I'm, I'm catching it, and she was getting so angry with me that I kept stopping that swing, I was trying to explain to her, right, have this deep, theological conversation. Hey, that's gonna come back and hit you in the face. It's not gonna feel very good. Well, she eventually took me by the hand, took me away, and literally in her own words, stay here. And so I'm like, okay, here we go. So I stayed there, pushed the swing, came back, hit her in the face, bloody nose, screaming, crying. And I said, told you so. No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that, but I said, I said, Reagan, that's what I was trying to explain to you. You know what, how many times do I do that with God? God keeps, keep, God keeps intervening. I'm like, oh, that's not the way I thought it was supposed to go. That's not, that's not what I had planned. And God's got a specific reason for it, and I eventually say, you know what, Lord, stay over here. I'll I'll let you know when I need you. And all of a sudden something happens, and I realize, wow. Uh, And that's what the Lord wants to do. He wants to teach us, but don't let those things get you upset. Let those things teach you and to help strengthen you. It seems that sometimes we have to get to the end of ourselves before we will really fully look to God, and how true that is sometimes that it's the last response for us to go to God. And the Lord's sitting there like, Hey, I've been waiting here the whole time for you. You know, the door's open. Come on in. And we forget to go to him. Let's put our trust in him. The Bible tells us that the just shall live by faith. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2 says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let's not put our faith in a man. Let's not put our faith in, in a friend or in a relative. Let's not put our faith uh, in, in a pastor or an assistant pastor or a coworker or a boss. Because you know what? People are going to let you down. They're going to let you down either on purpose or on accident. But people are going to let you down. Let's not put our faith, and let's actually put our faith in someone, in the one who can actually do something about it. Uh, moving on here, we're looking at the man who was filled with the, uh, those devils. Verse 27, it says, A certain man which had devils long time, wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. I see here in this passage of Scripture that he doesn't have a name, but he has a reputation. Nope, we don't know his name. It says a certain man, but every, everybody knew who you were talking about when you said his reputation. His reputation was he had a devil, devils a long time. He wore no clothes. He lived in the tombs among the decaying, among the dead. Uh, that was contrary to Jewish uh, law and also really against human instinct to, to live in the tombs. Uh, the, Mark records that the, he was crying out and cutting himself with stones, said that neither could any man tame him, uh, Mark tells us. This man didn't only want what Jesus could do for him, though. I'm thankful that as we saw the change in his life and later, uh, I believe it's, um, they refer to him as... Um, from whom the demons departed. Talked about how he was clothed. Uh, he was in his right mind. He was sitting at the foot, feet of Jesus. Still didn't have a name, but he had a new reputation because of what Jesus did in his life. And this man didn't want, uh, didn't only want Jesus for what he could do for him. He, the true change came because he wanted to be with Jesus. Uh, sometimes we need to have uh, we, we we have maybe a hard time understanding God's plan, and I'll be the first one to say that. Sometimes some things happen, and I say, "What in the world, uh, Lord?" What, what, I, I'm I'm just going to trust you, you know. And maybe I don't fully mean it, but I say it because that's the right thing to say. Lord, I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to trust God because I know that's what I'm supposed to do, and what the Bible teaches. And then all of a sudden, I'm thankful that the Bible. T- uh, we'll read a couple of these verses in a minute, but we just have to have a little faith, faith like a mustard seed. God's going to bless it. Uh, here the people of the city made an evil request in this passage of scripture we're looking at they, he, they asked him to depart from them and Jesus he answered their prayer okay you want me to depart I'm going to depart and the man who, whom the demons departed he made a godly request that he might be with him and what did Jesus say to him he said no and then he said this go to your city and tell what great things God has done in your life and I love this because this is a great picture that God's got everybody in a specific place, has a specific purpose, because there's going to be some people that you can talk to, uh, talk to them about Jesus that I could never talk to them about. Uh, They're going to be able to listen to you a little bit better than they're going to listen to me. And here, they knew that he was going to go back, and they were going to listen to him better than Jesus. And what happens when they came back, they gladly received Jesus because of one life, because uh, maybe people thought there was no hope in that man, but Jesus saw that there was hope in that man, and he saved him from those devils, and he changed. He can change anybody. Jesus told him, tell what great things God has done. By uh, way of a rather long introduction here, I want to remind us that faith is a necessity for a Christian. It's a necessity. I, just, I mentioned it earlier, I don't want the storms, I don't want the trials, I don't want the things to happen in my life that wouldn't be what I chose. But you know what, I want to have faith. Um, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I want to just make mention that I sometimes can get very frustrated Uh, hearing people just talk about negativity all the time and i'm not saying that we should be naive to what's going on around us but i remember a, a conversation that my mom had told me that her mom had said about us okay that's confusing so my grandmother said to my mom says i fear for the america that your kids have to grow up in and i'm thinking now like man i had it pretty good and sometimes i start to think i'm fearful for the america my kids have to grow up in but then i'm reminded that god's plans is perfect his plan's perfect. He knew that we would be born for such a time as this. I'm excited. I, want, I don't want my kids to hear me talk about how horrible it is. I want them to hear about how good God is, how God wants to use them, how God's got a purpose, a plan for them. And guess what? Uh, I'm, I'm also excited to know that the Bible teaches us that it's gonna wax worse and worse as Jesus gets closer to return. And so I, I take uh, just encouragement in that to say, hey, everything else is getting worse. Guess what? This world's not my home. I'm just a passing through. I know the Lord's coming back in any moment, and I'm excited. Uh, I'd say, well, uh, God's got us here for a specific, specific reason. I believe that God's waiting for one more person just to get saved and how great it would be for you to be that person to lead someone to Christ. And then that trumpet sounds because we were found faithful for such a time as this. Faith is a necessity. Faith is demanded for a Christian. The Bible tells us that faith without works is dead and without faith it is impossible to please him. The apostles in Luke 17, it's recorded that they asked the Lord, and the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it shall obey you. I probably should have had more references here in Hebrews chapter 11, but that's known as the Hall of Faith chapter and uh, I encourage you sometime this week to go back and read that. And it's amazing to find some of those people you wouldn't expect to find them in the Hall of Faith chapter. And there's some other people you would expect to find in there. But God counted those people as faithful. And because of their faith, God used them in a great and mighty way. Hebrews 11:6. 6, I already mentioned it. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. So here we go. Here's the, here getting into the message here. Hanging on by a thread. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you're thinking, I don't know what else to do. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's financial. Uh, maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's phys- uh, uh, you know, I think I said physical, spiritual, financial. Whatever the case may be, you say, I have, I, I'm at my wit's end. I don't know if I can do this anymore. I, 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 honestly, I don't, I don't know what else I can do. I've searched for answers over here. I've gone to this doctor. I've gone to, uh, to, to tried this and done this. And I, I don't know. And uh, the Lord is, wants us to get to that point to say, hey, with my strength, is perfect. Number one, three things to remember when you're hanging on by a thread. Remember, God's strength is always perfect. I'm encouraged to know that my struggles, no matter what they may be, and they're different from person to person, my struggles will always lead me to strength, and that strength. Is Jesus Christ I'm not talking about sin in my life things that I choose to do that's not going to lead me to strength that's going to take me the wrong path what I'm saying is the things that I cannot control the storms and the trials tribulations that come in that I I would rather not choose rather not have in my life but I know that God's got it for a specific reason and I know that he says his grace is sufficient for me I can rest in that promise of that Romans eight twenty eight, a famous passage of Scripture here and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called According to his purpose. That's an easy verse to quote at somebody when they're going through a storm. It's another thing to actually apply that to our life. And you know what? I wish I had an A plus on my report card in the area of every time a storm comes in my life, I'm saying, Thank you, Lord. I can't wait to see what you're going to do with this. Lord, I'm so thankful that you're allowing this to come into my family's life, and I can't wait to see it. I wish I could say, I, I do that. A lot of times it's like, Lord, I hope you know what you're doing. Uh, Lord, I, I, is, this, is this really what you meant? And the answer is yes. He knows what he's doing. Let's not ask God, hey, what, what are you trying to do? Let's ask him, what are you trying to teach me through this? Perhaps you're in a very stressful time in your life right now. You feel like you can't go on. Maybe you feel like you're lo- alone. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, uh, uh, 1 Kings 19, Elijah, uh, it takes place uh, here in 1 Kings 19. Elijah felt like he was alone. It says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he, he requested for himself that he might die, and said, "It is enough now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my fathers." Literally saying here, "Lord, please just take my life. I have no reason to live. I'm be better off dead than I am alive." And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, "Arise and eat." great way to wake up right there and he looked and behold there was a cake bacon on the coals and a cruise of water at his head and he did eat and drink and laid him down again I see here that Elijah had really reached a point in his life where it was zero nothing left in his tank nothing I mean, he, just, he just called down fire from heaven I don't know about you but I would have been like man I just called down fire from heaven I, got, I can add this to my resume I could go around and tell people no he was running away from Jezebel he was scared He had he saw what God did and then Moments later, he's fearful, and uh, I don't want to say that uh, I want to use that for an excuse that even Elijah didn't have faith when he should have. but I want to also take encouragement that he saw fire come down from heaven. He was God's man, a prophet, and even he was discouraged. I want to encourage you with that to say, I'm discouraged tonight. I don't even want to admit it. Well, here Elijah's telling us, he said to the Lord, I'll be better off than dead, and and God encouraged him, and he realized that being out of strength, being at a zero, is not a bad place to be because you know what he found? He found God. And God strengthened his faith. God strengthened him at his time of weakness. I don't know where you're at tonight, but God wants to strengthen you. God wants to increase your faith. And you know what's amazing is as I, as I hear sometimes, even my own parents share stories that I had no clue happened when I was growing up, okay? Uh, they'll, they'll tell me something I said, I didn't even know that was going on. And you know, why, you know why I didn't know that was going on? Because they weren't complaining in front of me. They weren't, well, they didn't have Facebook, but if they had it, they weren't gonna post about it on Facebook. Uh, they weren't going to tell me all their problems and all, all the financial issues. You know what? I, I, I found out later that they were having marriage issues. I didn't even know that. And then they told me later, this is Caleb. It was, uh, it was a, a mess. We went to church. We heard this message. And it was just like, God was like, man, they brought him back together. And there was a, a, a widow lady in the church that encouraged my mom to keep, to keep doing what was right. And I, I didn't even know any of that was going on. But I tell you, I'm thankful that they stayed together. I'm thankful that the Lord blessed it. And I'll just say this. I didn't, I didn't know. You know what i don't want to burden my children with with issues i don 't want to talk about negativity I also don 't want them to be so sheltered they had no idea what 's going on. but I want to say this: our children need to hear about some things that we pray about do you pray with your do you pray with your family? do you have certain prayer requests I hope that you 're praying for some things um, I'll, I'll say this, uh, my, my wife would hate for me to say this, but uh, she's been having some health issues these last couple months, really. We have, we have no idea what, what it is, but we're just praying, we're trusting God. But it's been so wonderful to hear my son Ryder, who's three and a half years old, every time he prays, he says, help my mom feel better. And I said, I'm so glad that my son has something to pray for so when the Lord answers it, and I know he will, we can say, Ryder, look what God has done in your mom's life. I'm just thankful that there's times that things come to my life. I have no idea why, but I can look back and say, God, you've been good. I, I wouldn't have chose that, but it's good that I've been afflicted. David said, it's been good that I've been afflicted. Maybe right now you're going through, say, I have no idea. God wants you to be there because he wants to have a relationship with you. He says, draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh unto you. Uh, God's strength is always perfect. Your weakness is God's power. It seems that sometimes we have to get to the end of ourselves before we look to God. But when we do, we'll find out that he's not just enough. He's more than enough. Number two, remember God's plan is always perfect. I'll say this. Uh, I, I like to have a game plan. I like to have a, a, a kind of a schedule to figure out what, what's going on. But it's amazing when something just comes up, right, and it messes up my schedule. I, I'm like, man. I don't know what to do, uh, but I I can rest assured that God's plans might not always line up with my plans. Most of the time they don't. But I know this, God's plans are always perfect. And we can rest in the promise that God's plans are always perfect. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In Luke 7, verse 20, John the Baptist is in prison, and he asks his, uh, I'll read it here, it says, when the men were come unto him, they said, John the Baptist have sent us unto thee, saying, art thou he that should come, or will look are we for another? John the Baptist is in, in prison, he's about to be beheaded, and he gets a couple of his followers, and he says, can you go find Jesus? And make sure he's the one that we've been waiting for. Make sure he's the one that I've been preaching about. Make sure he's the one that I've been preparing the way uh, for Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to come. Even John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus Christ, who preached his whole life about Jesus, is sitting in prison questioning, is he really the one? You know what he's asking? Is Jesus the real deal? And Jesus... He asked, you know, Jesus was the one that was spoken of in Isaiah who was prophesied many years before. And we find that G- uh, John the Baptist is questioning here at the end of his life. He knows he's about to, to be killed. And, um, however, this is a, the place that he's just really, he sends those two followers out on a mission. Go find out if Jesus is real. And I love it when they, they come and they find Jesus. They literally, they ask him there in Luke seven twenty. And uh, they, they find him. Uh, Jesus didn't even really answer the question. He just it was healing people. He was ministering to the people. And they could see that Jesus was the real deal. Basically, John the Baptist says, was it worth it or was it all for nothing? All the preaching, all the witnessing, all the, 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 the time I've spent in the service of God, was it worth it? The question John wanted to know, is Jesus real? I want to just remind you tonight that this world is in desperate need. Of Jesus I don't want to get too much into it but I I'll just say this man if you want an eye-opening experience come work in the bus ministry at Victory Baptist Church I'll see these kids that will act up from time to time and I think why and then I go to their house and then I go and visit them and I hear all that they're going through and I hear how they don't have a mom and dad they're living with their cousins or their mom just passed away and their dad's in jail and I'm not trying to paint a bad picture these are people that literally come to our church and I think man I want to show them that Jesus is real. I want to show them that Jesus is real because this world is in desperate need for lives to be changed. People need to be delivered. Uh, The family, the the home, is in a complete wreck here in America, and our homes need to be restored. They need to see a good example of what a home should be. Uh, Souls need to be saved, and they're looking to find out if what we have is real. Can I remind you the question that Jesus asked his disciples? Where is your faith? Do they hear, our coworkers here hear when something bad happens, oh man, I don't know how this is going to get fixed. Or how about this? Uh, I've been around some people that I didn't even know were a Christian and then something happens and it wasn't really something you would follow it up with this phrase, but they said, praise the Lord. And I know sometimes maybe we say that flippantly, but I look over and I, praise the Lord? I say, yeah, praise the Lord. So you're a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian too. And uh, we have that opportunity wherever Hey, praise the Lord. And... Um, i am just saying that people need their families to be put back together. And if, we're, if our faith, if our witness looks just like the world, what do we have to offer? And I hate to say this, um, just I don't want this to think this is our motivation to do right. Our motivation is Jesus Christ. But if I can just add to that a little bit with saying that our motivation also could be people are watching us. I think of people in my own family that have no idea... Uh, that heaven and hell is real, and we've, we've mentioned it to them, we've, uh, we've expressed that to them, we've uh, given them the gospel, and they say, you know what, that's good for you guys. I don't need that. You know what, I remember one time I had a family member that uh, I, I believe, I don't know if their salvation, but they said this, they said, we're going to just watch your kids. I said to my parents, and see if, you know, when they get older, you just watch, they're going to walk away from it. And kind uh, of just say that I know that Jesus is real, I know the Word of God is real, and I, wanted, I want them to know that God is real. I'm not just going to walk away from this. And by the grace of God, there go I. I'm not up here to try to say that I'm anybody. I, I should probably be in a jail cell today if it wasn't for the grace of God. But I want to say this. People are watching you. Your children are watching you. Your grandchildren are watching you. We need to have a witness that Jesus is real. I hope that Jesus doesn't have to constantly ask us, where is your faith? I hope that when it comes that we can say, Lord, I wouldn't have chosen this, but you've chosen this for me, and I'm going to have faith. I'm going to trust you because guess what? <laughs> I'm just going to hold your hand, and I'm just going to cover my eyes because I just want to walk through this. I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to hold on to you, and Lord, I might just be hanging on by a thread, but that's all I need with hanging on to you. I want to just also make mention as I'm pushing on here: the woman with the issue of blood. She had that uh, that, that issue of blood for 12 years. Now. I remember when I was younger, uh, one year away seemed like a long time. Uh, Twelve years to me still seems like a long time. I remember, just being a little funny with you, but I remember when um, our pastor growing up, he preached no high school dating. And uh, I liked the pastor's daughter, so guess who was the only one that had to follow no high school dating? That was us. Everybody else was like, I'm not listening to the pastor, and that's what they did. But I remember saying to my mom and dad, hey, only eight more years till I can date. Uh, and then, once I graduated high school, I still wasn't allowed to date. It was all a lie. And then, uh, anyways, then it, you know the story. When I, She went back home and I stayed in California. Then he said, okay, now you can date. And, uh, but anyways, there was a, a good reason for that. And, uh, but the woman had the issue of blood for 12 years, but then there was Jarius, his daughter was 12 years also. I find that, I find that amazing that both of that was 12 years. You know what, for, uh, for Jarius, it was his only daughter, Probably, there's no, I, we can read between the lines here maybe. Probably the first time something's ever happened to him with his, with his daughter as far as this serious. All of a sudden, the, the years of sunshine came to an end. And now the woman with the issue of blood, darkness for 12 years, some sunshine's coming into her life. But what did, what did Jesus say to the woman with the issue of blood? Thy faith had made thee whole. What did Jesus say to Jairus? Fear not only believe. And then he went back to the house and, and uh, they, they you know, he said, hey, she's not, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. And back in those days they actually had professional mourners that would come and uh, would mourn with the family and grieve with the family. And they started to laugh and said, Jesus, what do you mean she's sleeping? She's dead. And he put them out, except for the mom and the dad. And he uh, called her by her name and she uh, rose from the dead. And uh, we see here that they're, because of their faith, and I want to just point out that Jesus didn't ask the possessed man, where is your faith? Jesus didn't ask the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, where is your faith? He didn't ask Jairus, where is your faith? He asked the disciples, the ones who walked with him, the ones who ministered with him, the ones who have heard him preach, the ones who have heard him teach, the ones who no doubt have seen him do miracles, They were the ones that had to be asked, where is your faith? You know, a disciple is literally a follower of Jesus Christ. And we, too, as Christians, are followers of Christ. And I wonder, does Jesus have to ask us, where is your faith? That woman had an issue of blood, and I, too, had a blood issue. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ, I no longer have a blood issue. And I'm saved, and I know it, and I know I can't do anything to earn my salvation. Praise the Lord, I can't do anything to lose my salvation. Jesus took away my filthy rags, and he put on me robes of his righteousness. And let me just say this, I wasn't even hanging on by a thread. I had no hope. I had no way I could escape hell. But only Jesus Christ, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, recently, I, when I, again, when I was in the jail, someone asked me, he said, Man, some of you just use Jesus as a crutch. You know what I said to him? I so said, I don't use Jesus as a crutch. By the way, I said, I actually want Jesus just to carry me. I need Jesus to carry me. I don't need to have him as a crutch. I want him to carry me through life. I need him every hour, every moment of the day. I know it's, uh, it's easy to say this, but we don't need to know the answers uh, to why we have the storms. We just need to have faith. That's our responsibility. Is to have faith. Jesus is the answer. I know we'd like to, uh, to know the reason and when it's going to be over, uh, and sometimes God does give us a glimpse of this, uh, a glimpse of that, this side of heaven, but our responsibility is to have faith. The disciples were asked, Where is your faith? Jerry's daughter was 12 years old, and uh, it really, every, everything in just a moment gone, and he came to Jesus. I want to just make mention as well. I'm sure Jairus, he was from the synagogue, he was a religious man, no doubt. But uh, I hope it's not something serious that makes us have to go back to Jesus. I hope that we're just constantly looking to Jesus each and every day. Now He uses those times to bring us back to Him, right? And when we're, I know some people, even myself, have been guilty of this. Lord. Save my problems. Help me in this. Help me in this situation. Everything goes back to normal. Okay, I'm good. I'm good, God. I'll be back in a little bit when uh, everything else starts. To... Oh, it's bad again. Lord, let me come over here. Let me walk with you again. Let me read my Bible and pray. And uh, Lord, let me ask all my friends to pray for me and all that. And then, oh, everything's good. I hope it's not something tragic that gets us back to where we need to be. I hope it's a daily decision. Here's the last one, and I'm done. And I'm done. Uh, closing very quickly number uh, one was remember his strength is always perfect number two remember his timing his plans are always perfect number three remember God will never leave you God will never leave you the Bible says in Hebrews 13 let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such thing as ye have for he have said I will never leave thee nor forsake thee Sometimes I overthink when I publicly pray and I'll say this and I say, Lord, you know what I mean? I didn't mean to say this, but we'll say, Lord, be with this person or Lord, please be with this person's situation. You know what? And You'll probably catch me saying that and you'll think about this. We don't even have to pray that because you know what? The Lord says, I will always be with you. And I'm not saying that when we're in sin that he's going to be right there with us and say, it's okay. No, he's waiting for us. We're as close as we want to be to God and God's waiting for us to come back. But Jesus was with the disciples in the storm. God was with Joseph in the palace. He was with them in the the pit and and in prison. uh, God was with Jonah in the whale. God was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. God's with you right now in your storm. Guess what? He's going to be with you when you get out of the storm. He's going to be there waiting for you. I hope that you'll go through that storm with him. Remember God's strength is always perfect. God's plan is always perfect. His strength is perfect, and he will never leave you. If you don't remember anything about the message tonight, I hope you just remember that question. Where is your faith? People are watching. I, 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 and I know that I, I mentioned it before. I want God to be pleased with me, but I also want to point people to Jesus Christ. That man that was possessed of the devils, they might have been the only Jesus that some people got to see. They, they saw a change in his life. You might be the only person that they get to see that's a Christian, to see that light in this dark world. And they're watching you, whether you like it or not. I want to just remind us, where is your faith? I'll say this, April 1st, 1998. I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ to take me to heaven when I die. If I can trust God to take me to heaven when I die, I for sure can trust him in anything that's going to happen here. Because you know what? This is all going to be over just like this. But eternity is what matters. Let's make sure that we're living for Christ each and every day and that our faith is what it should be. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.